Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Last week, we began our series on how to pray, based on Pete Gregg's book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. And we looked at three reasons why we pray. First, to pray is to be human. It's just natural. Second, to pray is to be like Jesus. And third, to pray is to be open to possibility. And then I tried to give a few helpful tips on how to pray, which was to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. So as we continue to unpack how to pray and look at this, wrestle through it, I'm going to continue to strive to do those things, to keep it simple, to keep it real, and to keep it up. Because again, let's not make something that's so natural. Let's not make it weird or tiring or this intense thing. Let's keep it simple. So in order to keep it simple, I'm going to be using Pete Gregg's acronym. And he and I both agree on this, actually, that sometimes acronyms, they come across a little cheesy or they're um, oversimplified and it misses so many layers. But there's also something that's great about acronyms because it helps make it memorable. I still remember the first time I jumped out of an airplane. I went skydiving twice and I didn't want to go tandem with someone on my back. And the one thing they kept drilling into us is follow these simple steps and it's spelled out harm, H-A-R-M. They say, you don't do these things and you could harm yourself. So it was uh, H, horizon, keep your eyes at the horizon. A, uh, the altimeter, make sure you're not getting too close to ground. R, look at your reserve instructor, and then M, look at your main instructor. And you do those four things constantly as you're plummeting towards the earth. And the thing is, I went skydiving back in 2007, and I still remember that acronym because there is something that's so useful about it. So tonight, the acronym that we're going to be using and throughout this series, the acronym is PRAY. P-R-A-Y. And I believe this acronym works. It helps keep it sim simple, but it also helps us to remember what to do. To pause, to rejoice, to ask, and to yield. Or in other words, yes. So pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. So tonight, we're going to pause. We're going to start this acronym with P at pause. And the truth is, the best way to start praying is to actually stop praying. Like, it sounds crazy, right? But what I mean by this is to stop talking at God, to pause, to simply be still. So I'm gonna dig a little further into this stillness aspect in a few minutes, but first we need to understand the importance of pausing because that's not our go-to. That's not our natural instinct. We wanna go with our list of, okay, God, here's where I need help. But pausing is about letting go of your own personal agenda, your long list of wants and to-dos, and to simply focus 
on the wonder of who God is. The Lord's Prayer, which we read together a few minutes ago, starts with our Father. That's it, just our Father. There's something about just recognizing him for who he is and acknowledging his presence. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I was guilty of this as a kid and I've experienced it now as a dad, but you know what it's like? You come home at the end of a long day and you come through the door and you're just expecting your spouse is gonna stop and just give you all the attention. Your kids are gonna stop and be like, oh, welcome home, dad, you're here. And then you quickly discover that they're already in a world of their own and they're just going on doing their thing. The only time my kids actually kind of stop and come to me is if I have something in my hand. They're like, ooh, what's that? Is that for me? Is it a present? Is it a surprise? Is it candy? And if it is, then they show me all the love in the world. And if it's not, well, then they just keep going back to their own thing. <laughs> and I just think, how often do we do this with God? Like, we start praying and we beeline to what's in it for us. Okay, what do you got for me, God? Okay, here's what I need. Here's what I want. But tonight, I, I want us to hit the pause button. I want us to slow down and just take a moment to focus ourselves on God. On that simple phrase, our Father. <laughs> There's a joke along the lines that says, I just wish my family greeted me the same way my dog does when I come home. And how true is that? I guess that's why they call it man's best friend. But speaking of dogs, Pete Gregg in his book, he shares this story about a deranged dog and this wild dog eating chair. And he sets up the story with this picture of this quiet, serene cobblestone street, only to have the peace shattered by this dog's yelping and a strange metallic clanging. Suddenly, a dog comes whipping around the corner, running as fast as it can go, jumping from left to right, up and down, frantic in fear that it is being chased. And attached to the other end of the leash was one of those cheap metallic bistro chairs which seemed to have come alive. It's bouncing up and down as well. It's going from side to side, and it seems to be biting at the dog's back end. But you see, a movement must have made the chair twitch. And then the chair twitch made the dog jump, which then made the chair leap, and so on and so forth. And the faster the dog rang, the wilder the chair's pursuit became. It, it seemed to become, it become more alive. And we can all live our lives like this dog, can't we? Driven by our fears and simply too afraid to stop. The first time I ever went to see a counselor was back in 2006, and he diagnosed me with, I think this is probably a bit of an anachronistic term, but FOMO, fear of missing out. And he was absolutely right. So what he did was he challenged me with something that I will never forget. He challenged me to hit pause on my life, or more specific, specifically, he challenged me to hit pause on the upcoming weekend. He didn't force me. But he encouraged me to turn off my Blackberry, that's dating myself, turn off my laptop, and even turn off my TV from Friday until Sunday. And it was one of the most challenging yet best weekends of my life. But why do so many of us find ourselves being drawn to binging Netflix, 
gazing like zombies at the little icons on our smartphones into activities that seem to put the world on pause, that seem to put the world's relentless demands on hold. But we're often trying to distract ourselves and numb ourselves and we think we're being still and we think that that's pouring into us that yes, okay, I can just numb, I can distract. But let's think about our spiritual life as a bank account for a moment. At a bank machine, you make deposits and withdrawals. And you can only withdraw the amount that you have in there, or else you go into a deficit. You've overspent. You're maxed out. And I believe many of us are maxed out and overspent in life. And we keep making withdrawals and giving ourselves to others and other things and our attention to all these other things, but we don't make the necessary deposits to top it back up. We don't have anything left to give. And there's pain attached to that. And we're afraid to stop and actually face that. And I hate to break it to you, but I found this out the hard way that binge watching Netflix and mindlessly scrolling on social media are actually withdrawals. They're not deposits. It may help you numb the pain temporarily, but that's all it is. It's a numbing mechanism. And it costs you more than you realize. Or in other words, it's what's keeping the wild dog chasing chair in motion. You see, God has designed us with this deep need for stillness. He's designed us with this need for order, for freedom from ultimate responsibility. God himself rested and established what's known as Sabbath, a day of rest. And he invites us to pause regularly. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Now, interestingly, the Latin word for being still here is vacate, as in vacate the building, or as in vacation. So I think that's pretty cool because God is inviting you to go on vacation, to take a break with him, to get away with him, because it's in this context that God's presence is known. I believe it's actually an invitation to stop trying to be God and simply let God be God instead. This next quote that I'm going to share, it, it stung when I first read it. There, there was a zing to it and it still has a zing to it when I read it. But it says, one of the main differences between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. <laughs> See what I mean about the zing? One of the main differences between you and God is that God doesn't think he's you. Wow. But this is why pausing is so essential. You see, when we begin our time of prayer with a moment of stillness, we stop competing with God. It, it's a moment of surrender, of opening our hands and letting go of our agendas, our wants, our desires, our preferences, and simply centering ourselves around Jesus. And it's in this moment that we can breathe a sigh of relief, knowing that he is in control and we are not. And much like I learned that weekend at home by myself in 2006, the world keeps spinning quite well without our help. So it's important for your spiritual, your mental, your physical well-being 
that you learn to silence the world's relentless chatter for a few minutes each day in order to become still in the depths of your soul. Pete Gregg says that you must seek solitude and silence as if your life depends on it, because in a way, it does. When you are stressed, your adrenal glands release the hormone cortisol, which actually impairs your capacity for clear thinking and healthy decision making. But did you know that as you sit quietly, the cortisol subsides and things become more clear? It's pretty fascinating. It's as we learn to pause and to be still that we become more present present to ourselves, present to the world around us, and present to God's presence with us. So how do we do this? How do we hit pause on life? Because as nice as it sounds to go on vacation with God, there's a reason we only get a couple of weeks vacation a year, right? We've got things to do, work to be done. So let me give you a few suggestions on how we can hit pause as we begin to pray. And the first thing we must do is still the house. What I mean by that is 500 years ago, St. John of the Cross captured the tranquility of these moments in this lovely phrase where he said, my house being now all stilled. Doesn't that sound lovely? Like that sounds so nice. And I'm thinking back to Christmas when the doors were all locked, the lights were all shut off except for the Christmas tree in the corner. Everyone else was in bed, and I simply sat on the couch staring out the front window watching the snow fall. It was amazing. And I remember thinking like, yes, now I'm ready to host the Whispering King. I'll admit, moments like that though are few and far between. My most recent experience was actually this past week, I think it was Tuesday, when I woke up at 4.20 a.m. for no reason. And I was just awake. So I got up, I came downstairs, made some coffee, and I just took this moment and just sat with God. And I just tried to listen to, God, what are you saying to me? What are you wanting to whisper to me? What am I so busy missing throughout the, throughout the day that I just need to kind of get a grasp of? And you know what, when these moments happen, I often find myself spending most of the time, if not the entire time, in just silence. And I simply enjoy God's presence without saying or doing anything. Now, of course, my mind wanders all over the place. I start to get restless, but the more that you can settle into those thoughts, the more you'll experience what David was saying in Psalm 131. I've calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And whether you're new to prayer, or you've been praying for years, sometimes we can feel like this is wasted time. But, but don't worry about that. Don't worry that, oh, but this isn't really prayer. It is. These can be some of the most beautiful times of communion with Jesus, of intimacy. It's in these moments where it feels like time stops and language becomes unnecessary that 
We remember it's simply enough just to be together and sit comfortably and just be present to Jesus' presence. But it requires that we make an effort to pause and to still the house. Now, let me also point out that while we take a moment to pause and to still the house, it's preferably done in a peaceful environment, but it's also equally possible to find stillness on a busy go train, at a desk in a noisy office, or even stuck at home during a pandemic. Yes, I mean it. Stopping to pause and be still before we launch into prayer just helps us recenter our scattered thoughts and it prepares us for worship. It prepares us for that communion. Stilling the house is more about stilling your soul than it is about stilling the environment around you. So do what you can to remove the distractions of life, to become more fully present whenever and wherever you turn to God in prayer. And here's a pro tip. If you have a smartphone, which I think I'm talking to everyone watching this, it's a good idea at this point to turn it off. Put it on airplane mode, put it on do not disturb. This helps prevent interruptions, but it also helps train your brain that you're hitting pause on life's distractions. But another way of hitting pause with, is with a practice called centering prayer. And this is a contemplative way of praying, and it's quite simple. You relax, you breathe, you focus, and you repeat. So you start with relaxing. So you make yourself comfortable and you just don't want to do anything for a few moments. You just want to be able to s s sit there and you can even try having your palms open in your lap if you want. Sometimes this is just kind of, it helps signal to our brain again that we're, that we're opening our posture to God's presence, that we're opening ourselves up. And simply notice the places in your body where you're holding stress and tension. And try to relax each one, because your, your posture matters for this. So, so get comfortable. But the Bible describes kneeling, raising hands, lying prostrate, even dancing. So do what's comfortable and meaningful for you. Uh, you probably won't ever catch me dancing in the time of prayer, but I do know some people where dancing is how they feel alive and connected with God. But as you make yourself comfortable, whatever position that is, you let go of some of the, the tensions and you try and, uh, try and uh, just relax those parts of your body. The next part is to simply breathe. Just And as you relax, Take deep, slow breaths. A common symptom of anxiety, and I believe just everyday stresses, is just shallow breathing. But breathing deeply reverses and helps slow our hearts to think more clearly, and again, to bring down our cortisol levels and the mental noise. And as you breathe, think about the beginning when God created Adam, by breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. Or think about when Jesus appeared to his disciples in the upper room after his resurrection, and he breathed on them and said, 
receive the Holy Spirit. As you're sitting there quietly and breathing slowly, focus. Bring your mind to a word or to an image that will help you focus on Jesus. It could be Holy Spirit come, or it could just be thank you, Jesus. Or I know some people prefer using a word in a different language, such as the Aramaic word Maranatha, which means come, Lord. But whatever you choose, remember the point is not to overthink it. But we focus on this word or this image to displace distractions and focus our mind on the present moment and the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to say it out loud. You can just repeat it in your mind. And the last step then is to repeat. Because if you've tried this experience before, you've tried to quiet yourself or pray for any set amount of time, you know that distractions will come. It's inevitable. It's not uh, if they will, it's that they will. But don't worry. This is where you simply repeat the process. Return to the process of relaxing, breathing, focusing on your prayer, your, your, your word or your image until that stillness returns. And what I do is I try to set a timer and I try and do this practice for 10 to 15 minutes, but you could even try just five to 10 minutes this week. And then let me or a friend know about your experience. What, was it hard? How did you feel during it? How did you feel afterward? And I want to address one more way of hitting pause and that's through kinetic centering. So we talked about centering prayer, but this is now kinetic centering because occasionally you might find yourself too worked up and to find that inner stillness. Um, you, you might find yourself too, I don't know, agitated to, to uh, actually practice what we've just been describing. And unfortunately, most of the material we have on prayer goes to great lengths to teach us how to sedate our bodies and to shut out all external physical distractions. It's always about being still. But movement and exercise are important, especially for those of us who are active learners, which statistically speaking is about 50% of the population. So some people find it nearly impossible to be still and to sit still in silence for any length of time without getting distracted or falling asleep. And sometimes those things happen, sometimes that's okay. But unfortunately, what happens is this makes people feel less than. It makes them feel unspiritual or like they're bad at prayer. Oh, oh man, I'll never be good because I just can't sit there. I, I have to do something. Like I said about my friend who, who connects with God through dancing. You see, many people learn information kinetically by doing things actively rather than sitting passively. There are athletes who say they find it easier to encounter God while cycling or running or swimming rather than sitting still with their eyes closed and their hands together. And then there are artists who want to paint and sculpt or even carve their prayers. Dancers who need to move, musicians who, who need to drum or rap their prayers and that's okay. Last week, I brought up the 10,000 hour principle that was introduced by Malcolm Gladwell. And 
that if you want to master a craft or a subject, you need to put in 10,000 hours. And as I continued looking into that idea, there's actually some debate surrounding it. They're saying it's not as clear cut as that. And while there's several different factors and layers to it, the most important determining factor of success, of mastering, was a person's drive, their desire, their intentionality. And I believe the same is true for prayer. It's not just about putting in the time. It's about, it's about the desire. It's about the intentionality of communion with God. Stillness can be active. Recent medical research has discovered that exercise can be more effective than sitting still to calm the brain, to reduce stress, and to stimulate clarity of thought. So this isn't to say that stillness is unimportant. It is. But scripture shows us that Jesus himself often prayed actively. He drew in the sand. He threw himself on the ground. He clearly loved to climb as he would often hike up hills early in the morning and late at night to pray. And I'm sure he prayed as he walked, with sweat on his brow, his lungs panting, his heart pounding. So as we continue to unpack our series, How to Pray, remember that what matters is communion with God. And the first thing we ought to do is pause at the start of our prayer time, to still our souls and to focus on the wonder of who God is. Whether that's through sitting still or whether that's through activity, the point is stilling our souls to focus our attention on God, our Father. And by doing this, even for just a few minutes each day, we recenter ourselves on Jesus' eternal presence with us which enables us to pray from a much deeper place of peace, of faith, and reduced anxiety. So, I bet this is going to be hard for some of you, but in the words of Krista Hesselink, the founder of Soul Play, slowing down might be the most productive thing you do today. So let me encourage you to take a next step. First, set aside time to pause this week. Plan it out, mark it on the calendar when you're going to pause, to when you're going to pray and set time aside to be with Jesus. And I'd encourage you to set a timer when you do. Uh, it, you'll be shocked with how slow 10 minutes goes when you're sitting there, but set that timer um, and do your best to stick to it. I even use noise-canceling headphones right now since my family's home 24-7 other than while I'm recording these messages. But if it's still too loud, I end up just putting on instrumental worship music. I, I don't want any words to distract me, but I just listen to the songs. But set aside time to pray this week and dedicate the first two or three minutes to simply pausing, focusing on God. And then secondly, try the centering prayer exercise where you relax, you breathe, you focus, and you repeat. Third, pray the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9 to 13, the link's in the description if you don't have a Bible yourself. But recite, pray over the Lord's Prayer and see what Jesus wants to say to you through that. Listen for his whispering voice. And fourth, join me on Wednesday 
between 7.30 and 8 a.m. as we simply have a time of prayer together. It might just be me, that's okay. Know that you're being prayed for. But even if you're not comfortable praying out loud, you can still simply log on, observe, watch what's happening. If you need prayer, wanna submit a prayer request, you can do so in the chat field or email it to me ahead of time at kevin at thewellbinbrook.com. I would be more than happy to pray for you. Or even if you just want a, a set aside time outside of this Zoom prayer, know that I am always available as well. Or you can also submit it through our website at thewellbinbrook.com slash pray. But my desire is to help us center ourselves on Jesus for a few minutes. And I pray that you'll be able to join me on Wednesday morning as we start our day off focused on him. So this week, as you begin to pray, remember to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. And remember to pause. So let me close in prayer, and then I invite you to take a few minutes to pause as we once again listen to Hillsong's Upper Room. I didn't want to use this two weeks in a row, but as I was just putting it together, I just had to, because the, the words of this song are just so beautiful. So I've added the lyrics to it this week, and I invite you to either sing along or simply take a moment to reflect on the words. Allow yourself to, to just be with God. You see, the upper room was a place of worship. It was a place of prayer. And this song is just saying, may your life be a place of prayer, a place of worship and a place where others can encounter Jesus. May your life become his upper room. Let's pray and then we'll worship together. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Continue to remind us of who you are and who we are in you. God, meet us in our doubts and our fears and remind us of your love and your faithfulness. May we take time to pause and simply sit in your presence this week as we cry out, Our Father, may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.